Hello, all you beautiful people out there. This is Jeffrey Talks, and I wanted to welcome you to my very first podcast. Um, I'm super, super excited to really just share my story, to be inspired and share my inspirations and people that have absolutely 100% inspired me along the way. Um, let's do a little, like, I'll do a little storytelling. I'll share, you know, my recovery process with alcohol, drugs, go down the list of all the things that, that we can, as just human beings, become addicted to. So I'll talk about my recovery. I want to talk about tools like fasting. I want to talk about diet. I want to talk about prayer, meditation. Oh my gosh, lifting heavy as opposed to like body weight calisthenics. I want to talk about our breath. I want to talk about Wim Hof breathing uh, method. I want to talk about Patrick McCown and his like only breathing through your nose uh, method. I want to talk about, you know, top performers like Laird Hamilton. If you haven't heard of David Goggins, you know, at Navy SEAL, and he has a crazy, crazy story. Brene Brown, uh, Gabby Bernstein. I want to talk about anything and everything that has to do with recovery that has to do with like like an underdog story but i think for the most part i really want to just talk about what is truthful in my life i want to talk about what is useful hopefully that was useful to me and and hopefully that can maybe be useful to some to some of y'all and then what is timely i think our our nation um is is struggling and I think it's because, in my humble opinion, the next thing after Timely is going to be humble. But in my humble opinion, um, I think it's because we don't really know how to deal with our emotions. Um, I think we're going to come to a, a period where, you know, like education is like the norm. Um, but learning how to manage our emotions, I think, is going to become the next kind of journey, whether it's, you know, in Southern California, where this is coming from, uh, in Costa Mesa, literally in my room, talking to my computer right now. So whether it's from here, whether it's for America in general, across the world, um, I, I think we are lacking a connection with ourselves and therefore we cannot connect with others around us. So this is Jeffrey Talks. I want to welcome you guys. What is truthful, useful, timely, and humble. And with that being said, I guess I'm going to start from the top and uh, just kind of say some truths and I guess share a little bit of my story in, in hopes that you guys can get to know me a little bit better and, and, uh, and relate. So I get all my paperwork ready and here we go. So gosh, my name is Jeff, hence Jeffrey Talks. And I I'm in my 30s, I'm in my mid-30s, and I have I guess the only reason why I'm doing this today, right now, is is because of my recovery, because I'm sober from alcohol. I found alcohol 
or I guess stumbled upon it, or I guess, you know, was living in lack. I was lacking something and I found alcohol and it basically gave me this artificial spiritual experience, this feeling that I was literally looking for my whole entire life. It was, you know, better than sex, better than better than anything I've come along the way, better than, you know, money, better than like somebody telling me, good job, buddy, you know, like way to go, woohoo, or, you know, or scoring the last uh, championship goal in like hockey or something like that, or a touchdown or, or anything that has to do with sports. But I found this amazing elixir and, and I'm not sure if I drank to excess the very first time. But I remember falling in love. I really remember uh, specifically the social bond that I was able to to feel to myself, to really everybody else around me. And I, I couldn't really explain it, obviously, at the time. It's easier now, but... Now that I'm like pausing and think about it, it, it's really difficult to to explain this feeling that I got. You know, it was like this warm, fuzzy, but also I felt very alert, like heightened. You know, like uh, for some people, alcohol affects them and they get tired, they get relaxed. For me, it literally woke me up and it gave me this like superhuman feeling. Like I was... I could finally talk about the things that I that I wanted to talk about. I could I could talk to women better. I could talk to guys better. You know, I could get what I wanted so much easier. Um and you know, I could manipulate uh even though at the time I didn't really know that I was using people. I just thought I was really good at whatever getting what I wanted, you know, and I think in society that's that's what we're like told to do. You know, figure out how to get what you want and go for it. So I guess the first time, I was a little bit older, you know, I was like 23, 23 years old, uh, born and raised in a Christian family. You know, my parents did the best that they could, and they did amazing. You know, I know now that they literally were doing 100% the best that they could, and I'm so honored and blessed by that uh, now. But of course, there was resentment, just like I feel like most... Um, I can't really speak for anybody else, but for me, there was definitely resentment. I, I blamed a lot of others for my problems um, and had a really hard time taking responsibility. So alcohol was a perfect out. You know, get me out of myself, disconnect with the mind so that I could finally just live and be in the present moment. Russell Brand actually in his book explains it as that like that's the reason why he drank and I totally relate to this was because it brought him to the moment he could finally live and be in the present moment which in my opinion that's exactly where life is lived right because the past is the past and trauma and past I mean we can go down another rabbit hole with that but the past only exists in my mind the past is gone and the future only exists in my mind as well but i don't know the future and it's impossible to tell exactly what's going to happen 
But for me, it's really trying to focus on the present moment and being the best person that I can now. So I loved alcohol again. Like just uh trying to explain this this feeling that alcohol gave me, guys. So I could live in the present moment completely like I was able to detach from my mind and the obsessive constant thoughts. I remember leaving multiple times. I believe this was the first night, but leaving multiple times to to go puke. Uh you know, outside my buddy's house, you know, the ground somewhere. And then going right back to the keg at the time and continuing to drink. And I remember that kind of being the process for for quite a while, you know, and then it became like just the normal thing, like, oh, you know, Jeff's puking out in the in the grass or the lawn or, you know, and, and then I'd go right back and uh, just keep drinking. And I definitely remember being like having this, feeling of this is normal that this is kind of supposed to happen like I'm supposed to feel pain or discomfort in order to feel like connection and and good about myself and to be able to talk to others I'm sure I'll get into a lot of this in later episodes but fast forward 10 years and I'm basically at, at my wit's end. You know, for some people, it can obviously get worse. And for some people, it doesn't have to get as bad. But for me, it was, I was on like day three of drinking. And it was Mother's Day, May 15th, 2017. And I'm drinking by myself. At the bar down the road from my house, I had to move out of my apartment. I'm back living at home with my mom. And long story short, I'm trying to walk home. And it's not even noon. Yeah, noon-ish, maybe one o'clock. And I'm walking home from the bar back to my mom's house. And I'm falling in the street. Cops obviously get called. And he picks me up. Bless his heart, he takes me to my mom's house on Mother's Day. And my moment of clarity basically existed of me and this officer, policeman, walking up to my mom's house again on Mother's Day. She opens the door and she says, what did he do? And I see this look on her face that the only way I can describe it as is like it was just complete and utter pain and fear and like I knew she didn't hate me but she hated loathed what I was doing and how I was treating myself for some reason that was that was it that was my catalyst that for some reason just exploded sparked you know my the light at the end of the tunnel whatever analogy you want to use but like that was it and I, I don't know how this is going to tie in but I kind of remember this happening I remember running away from home when I was in elementary school I took no I didn't take my dog my mom went out looking for me with the dog and for some reason 
I was like, if my mom sees me, I'm going to stop running. I have no idea what this means, guys, but this is just coming into my mind right now. So I figured I might share it and maybe there's some significance. But when my mom saw me when I was young in elementary school, right, I used to run away from home, run away from school, and I would like literally just run away. And then my mom came and found me with the dog and I just walked back to her fast forward years and years and years later you know and I'm an alcoholic and I'm drinking in a way that I hate myself and I'm trying to run away from myself I was drinking in the way to try to escape from myself and basically the the realization that I couldn't escape myself to me meant I wanted to be drunk all the time and there was no amount of alcohol or drugs or anything like that to numb myself enough to get out of my own body. So I had to disconnect. So again, no idea what really that means, but uh, I mean like seeing my mom and then having this, like I was looking into a mirror of my own emotions and seeing the pain that I've been feeling for, you know, years and didn't know how to run from it, didn't know how to numb enough and that was just it. And I know there's tens of thousands, if not millions of other stories like that. And I'm just hoping that I can maybe touch one of your guys' hearts and, and we can relate. And, you know, we can finally connect from human to human through this pain. But luckily, by the grace of the universe, I that was that was the last day that I took a drink. So my story also includes rehab. Um, four days after that, I ended up getting on a plane and went from beautiful Southern California to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, and yes, I said Lancaster, not Lancaster. In Lancaster, that's how they say it. It's how the natives, if you will, the locals say it out there. Um, at least that's what I was told. So it, that was kind of an interesting thing, kind of looping back to like not running from pain and, and, uh, and using pain as a tool. So I went from this beautiful, I had a great job. I was a drill operator, you know, made great money. And I moved in and out of my, my own apartment with roommates back in with my dad's house, my mom's house, and, you know, just kind of bouncing all over the place, never really being able to keep money in the bank because obviously I was spending, you know, gosh, I did the math and it was like, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on alcohol at least a year. Um, I owed the IRS money and no, no lady friend, you know, I couldn't, gosh, I couldn't keep a girl around for more than two months. And then they finally realized, oh, you drink like this every weekend. I thought it was just like a one-time thing. And, you know, we met at a party and, you know, always having a little too many and da 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 No, this is, this is every weekend. So, so of course they leave. So that feeling of, of loneliness. And I remember feeling super, super alone getting on the plane. And my mom, I never said my mom, 
told my mom this, but she hands me 30 bucks, and that's kind of the last thing that you do to an alcoholic or an addict. Uh, when they're going to rehab, she gives, she gives me money. And uh, I remember passing the bar before I'm getting on the plane at LAX to go to landed in Baltimore and then drove like an hour and a half to the place where I went to rehab. And then, uh, gosh, I remember passing this bar in the airport and I was like, damn, a shot in a beer sounds super good right now. Like I want to jump out of my skin. I ended up detoxing by myself. So I'm about three days like detoxing sober at, at this time. I got sober on a Sunday. This was a Thursday. This was a Thursday. For some reason, there was something inside of me that literally just said, just get on the plane. All you have to do is just get on the plane. You know, whether that's intuition, whether that's, you know, God, whether that's something bigger than myself, definitely helped me get on that plane and not stopping for a beer and a shot. That is, that is for sure. So if not the hardest thing, as of right now, in this present moment, the hardest thing I've ever had to do. So we go go to Baltimore. Uh, this guy named Brett picks me up, and I don't know what he looks like. I just, I don't know how the heck I even found him. Uh, I don't remember if he was holding my name on a piece of paper or what, but we found each other and introduced each other, and we get in his beat-up suburban, and you know, we had to take a couple breaks because he's like, we need to, we can't walk that fast. You know, my heart's in bad shape and this, this, and that. And he starts explaining to me his, his physical, you know, condition and it's from drugs and alcohol. And we get in his suburban and he asks if I mind if he smokes. I say no. He lights up a cigarette, <laughs> starts smoking, and uh, and we're heading out there. And he asked me a few questions. I really don't remember what kind of questions they were. They're basically like, I don't know, minimal about me. Like, what's your story? What are you here for? What's your drug of choice? Stuff like that. And then, and then he just starts telling me his story. This guy was the, this guy named Brett. I don't, I was able to thank him later, but I think he doesn't work at the rehab anymore, but man, this, this guy was like the beginning of, of the, my recovery. He was like the face, the very first person that I actually met that was like, just like me, exactly like me, the mindset, the obsession, the, you know, never feeling, always wanting more, never feeling fulfilled and just wanting to be a good man, but not knowing how to, and then defaulting back to drugs and alcohol and and go down the list this guy went to like oh my gosh was it houston texas or basically something he was going to be a country singer he had a label like set up studio time for him to basically be a professional like singer and he was going to be a country artist and Long story short, he got drunk, went on a bender, and totally missed that appointment. So he's like, dude, this is real, you know? Like, whether, whether, I don't know if right now I actually believe it's a disease, but I definitely know it's an obsession. Like, it's a scratch that I can't itch unless I take a drink. That 
without a solution, without all these practices, guys, that I'm going to get into with this podcast, there is absolutely no way, no way in hell that I am sober right now. And I guess I wanted to use this opportunity to say thank you um, to Brett. Um, Gosh, wow, yeah, that was a beautiful moment. So go to rehab. And next thing I remember, I'm having to get naked and bend over and cough. And it was, I was just like, where am I, dude? What is going on? You know, I literally just flew across, you know, the the Americas. <laughs> and I'm getting naked in front of some nurse I just met 30 seconds ago. And then I'm meeting other people that are like trying to get sober as well. And it was substance abuse and mental health. And I'm scared shitless. I'm still so freaking scared. I don't know how to act. I don't know who I am, what I want to be, what could happen. To, my brain's just going a, a mile a minute. And and I want to run. And I literally want to run. I want to run out of my own skin. But I know for some reason that like if I do run, the same thing is going to happen. And I don't want to keep living and being the same person that I have been, I want to be. I want to be a good man. I want to be a good brother, and I want to be a good son. And I definitely knew that I needed to learn how to love myself. And I definitely knew that I had a lot of resentment towards other people. But deep, deep down, in my experience, guys, I I really resented myself and I hated myself. And I had a lot, a lot of guilt and shame and like self-loathing um, and things that I just, I couldn't live with in my own head with myself. So I had to drink. It was like, it was like I didn't have a choice. So now after life and alcohol and drugs and all that beat me to a pulp, I was desperate for help. So I was kind of forced through pain and through suffering to reach out and ask for help. And, and in my experience, guys, you know, rehab was part of, part of the solution, part of the journey, part of that catalyst that just sparked and, and started my journey in a different direction. So then I did that for about <laughs> for 22 days. And I had one of the other guys basically point out that I had an ego. Um, we were doing this practice, basically like crawling through these ropes um, and I was the last one to go through and you, you had to call, crawl through without touching any of the ropes. And I was trying to go through one of the difficult ones and you could only touch a rope three times, twice actually. And then on the third time, everybody had to start all over again. So I touched the rope twice. I was the last one to go through. My ego is just flaring. And then this guy named Ryan says, Jeff, how's that ego doing? I was like, what? You're like, what do you mean? What ego? This is just drive. This is determination. You know, like this is just me wanting to be better and like do something hard and not being fearful of doing something really, really difficult, even though I just failed twice. But all I had to do was lay down on the ground and scoot and crawl in the dirt and I didn't touch the rope. So that's what I ended up doing. 
and then we completed the task as a you know the group the group of men that I was in rehab with but then ever since that moment I remember talking to uh, to the tech Ryan and I was just like what in the world like I have an ego like I had no, I had no idea so that was another huge, huge, just kind of epiphany. God, and and I've never been the same since. Ever since that day, ever, so many things have happened just along the journey, right? That have just literally completely changed my life and brought all these things to my awareness. So, gosh, guys, that's that's definitely a bit of truth um, for me in the beginning of my recovery, and I think for the next couple episodes. I'm just going to keep doing a couple of these for you guys. I will finish where where I've left off and I think I think after the the next episode we can talk about a little bit of my experience uh living in a sober house. And really guys, this is just to help me give back to you and in hopes that that really you guys can hopefully benefit from this. Um, I'm going to be starting an online company, but really guys, I'm going to be setting up like an email address and the whole nine. Um, and I'm really, I have uh, social media. I have an Instagram. It's Jeffrey talks. I also have a, a Facebook Jeffrey talks, and I'm really kind of opening it up for like stuff that you guys would like to talk about, um, specifically about recovery. Um, and if I can share any of my experience on those topics, I, I would love that. Again, like we are all in this together. Uh, Bruce Lee says that we are all one family under the sun. And I just love that. So I hope you guys have a blessed rest of your day. And I love you guys. All right. I'll see you later. Bye. What's happening, family? Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Please share with all your family and friends. And if you want to dive deeper and do some one-on-one coaching with me, please go to jeffgonzell.com. That's J-E-F-F-G-O-N-Z-E-L-L.com. Check out the website. It has free resources and also it has access to working with me one-on-one. Enjoy. Have a beautiful day.